Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the new product liability rules proposed by the European Commission on Wednesday and how, in particular, they would apply to artificial intelligence. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ursula Pack, Deputy Director General of BEUC, the European Consumer Organization, and by MEP Axel Voss. Hello both. Good morning. Hello, good morning. This week, the European Commission presented uh, two very important proposals in terms of uh, product liability, and in particular for the liability of uh, software and AI included, which was not covered by the previous product liability regime that dates back to the 80s. So uh, the Commission made this choice to present a separate proposal for an AI liability directive, Uh, although liability of AI is already partially covered um, by the product liability directive. Um, So the reason for this choice, um, uh, let's dive into it. Um, MAP Voss, you have been Uh, leading the discussion for what concerns having a separate liability regime for artificial intelligence. Uh, We have uh, voted a resolution in the parliament in 2020 about this. And uh, now you have a commission proposal that uh, directly refers back to that um, resolution. So what was the rationale for you to, to ask this sort of AI-specific uh, liability regime, and did the Commission proposal meet your expectations? So, as we already can see, that the AI Act already um, is a kind of a different way forward with product regulation. So, we haven't had a kind of a um, a comparison to fundamental rights, if we are coming to a car, a dishwasher, or a hammer, or, or whatever. So, there we see AI is a special product, and therefore we need, from my point of view, also a kind of a special approach on AI liability. So, the liability question is um, very important. And that's why I consider this also is a wonderful idea to separate these normal, let's say normal products and also the product of algorithms so that we can have a specific AI liability regime. And that was also the idea that we are not ending up in 27 different liability regimes. So we should have one European approach on these because the digital market should be a single digital market in Europe. And that's why it's quite important um, with with one liability regime, because normally it's a competence of the member states, the question of liability. And that's why I think the European approach on this might be very helpful also for our industry. 
I would like to turn to you, Ursula, um, because the Commission took uh, two different approaches in these two proposals. You have a strict uh, liability regime in the PLD that also applies to AI, but it's limited to material damages and it's limited to the manufacturer. The AILD, if we can use that acronym, um, is uh, also covers fundamental rights and also covers users of, of AI. Um, but it is a different regime in the sense that it's fault-based. Um, so what is your view on these different approaches and, and how do you think these two very important pieces of legislation will work together? Um, indeed, I mean, let me maybe say that we have been calling uh, since a very long time for the modernization of EU liability rules, right? So this is a very important step, first of all. But what I would not really see as a necessity, and I don't think it was a very good idea, I here I disagree probably with Mr. Foss, is to separate uh, and to have two different liability regimes, one for ordinary products, let's say like that, and one for AI-enabled products or services. Why so? Because if you look at it from a consumer perspective, what matters to consumers if they have that is that they have an effective right to compensation, right? That's also a fundamental right, by the way, an effective right to a remedy. It doesn't matter if that damage that they suffered is from a product that was in a uh, AI enabled or not. That doesn't really matter to consumers and they will maybe not even know about what type of technology is used for that type of product that caused them damage. And that fault-based approach is a real problem for consumers because they have to prove that in the AI case, a machine that took maybe autonomous decision, uh, took that decision because there was a fault of the human uh, in using that uh, in using uh, that that machine decision making tool and so this will be a very difficult situation and in our opinion it will be very difficult if not impossible for consumers to make that proof so from a consumer perspective i would say that the second directive the ai liability directive um, it is very questionable whether that will really help consumers i would say it is too complicated and too burdensome for them. So we will probably be left with a whole series of harms and uh, uses of AI systems where consumers will be left without access to justice and access to compensation. Axel, um, how, how would you reply to this sort of uh, criticism? I mean, we don't have the commission here uh, to defend their proposals. I, I can tell you that uh, we we had a press briefing uh, with Commissioner Renders, uh, members of the press, of course, and he said this is what they envisaged as a proportionate uh, approach. Um, this is uh, their justification. Axel, uh, what do you make of this? And also, when this will land in the in the parliament, um, I, I'm talking about the AI liability directive, but you can chip in on the PLD as well. What do you see as the main improvements that need to be made? I would like to refer to this special um, product. So AI and the algorithms are not comparable 
to any other product what we have already in mind where you can easily prove a kind of a, the damage and, and so on, but not in AI. And therefore, I think there should also, therefore, kind of a special um, approach to, to this AI liability question. And here we can have this question or this uh, point of, of making the reversal of burden of the burden of proof. Um, what might be necessary for AI, because here I totally agree that we, as a single person, as a user, as an end user, you can't really prove where the damage is coming from. If this is from the manufacturer, is this is from the deployer, if this is from the user, and so on. And that's why we might have a kind of a situation where we have, have to help the individual in coming forward. But this is not uh, probably comparable also to other products. So therefore, why I would like to defend these um, uh, two ways of, of approaches on product and uh, AI liability regimes. So, um, of course, there is a necessity in linking these somehow that we are not totally coming to different solutions everywhere but so and and this has to be interlinked at the end um so that's why i think um there is a way forward and what we have had in mind also when we came up with this initiative proposal was that we at least should come forward for the ai regimes with one digital single uh, liability regime and uh, this is also kind of a um, yeah, questioning if we are coming to other products and liability refers to the member states and uh, normally it's their competences and here the digital market is different than all the other markets. So that's why we need a kind of a very special approach here on this issue. May I react to that? Because I think one point is very important, and I would agree with uh, Mr. Foss that, of course, uh, these products that are AI-enabled AI or these services, they make it much harder even to prove uh, that there was uh, a causality between their behavior, so to speak, um, and, and the damage, and that they were defective, so to speak. But what the Commission did, and I think this is really very important to underline and to understand, they reduced the exposure to liability risks for these type of services. They reduced the liability exposure for the industry and in that way making it much harder for the claimant, for the consumer to get access to compensation. This is, I think, what the Commission did. They tried still to help a little bit in terms of um, proposing that there should be a presumption, a presumption of causality, a presumption uh, of, uh, of non-compliance and in a further step maybe fault. But what remains is that there are different approaches. The classical approach of consumer protection in products has been a strict liability. And that was made in order to help claimants get better access to compensation. But now the commission has kind of 
stepped back into before the 80s uh, because there we didn't have a strict liability for products and services. So we are going backwards in the way we protect consumers and that is definitely not what we hope uh, the Commission would do and what we hope will still be remedied by the European Parliament and by the Council of Ministers because the European Parliament rightly said strict liability for AI systems should be the way forward and now that's not what the Commission has done. Uh, Ursula, I would like to um, be the advocate here and, and tell you the AI liability directive allows the member states to go much further in their um, transposition and uh, some and, and some businesses are saying basically this is not very uh, single market friendly um, because then you have uh, you you can have very different regimes uh, according to the member states so do you think that i mean that this criticism you make can it be uh, at least partially compensated by that well, the Commission allows the Member States to go much further. Uh, what does it mean? It means they did not harmonise enough. Um, but what they should have done is to already include these elements which now are in the AI liability directive. They should have included that, I think, into uh, either the PLD, the Product Liability Directive, and apply strict liability for all AI systems, for producers and for commercial users of AI systems and to cover all harms, not only the classical harms of uh, injury or of damage to property, well, like we see it now, but also the harms that we see now, and this is the new dimension of these AI systems, the new harms that could be related to uh, discrimination, to inequality, to intrusion of privacy, to manipulation. And so once again, the Commission has taken a very traditional approach to product regulation by looking after the safety of the products and protecting people if they suffer injuries or damage to their property. But the whole new dimension, which is relevant to consumers, to our society at large, about being discriminated, for example, by a scoring system that your bank uses or your credit provider uses, or being um, not fairly treated uh, and having to pay, uh, pay higher insurance premiums or not being uh, reimbursed in a certain situation by your insurance because there was an automated decision that categorized you wrongly, these damages are not covered by the product liability directive, only by the AI liability directive, and there you have to prove fault. So how can I prove fault if uh, the credit scoring system uh, ranks me wrongly and I don't have access to the credit I really need? So this is exactly the thing which is not satisfactory from consumer protection point of view. It's not a high pro consumer protection. And important point, it will not lead to trust uh, of people into these new services and systems. And that's not uh, consistent with what the European Commission has promised. Um, Axel, um, when Ursula says, uh, you know, for, for this sort of discrimination, you will have to prove fault uh, by the side of, of the user or the provider. Uh, the Commission would probably reply, well, you, you can ask a judge to get access to uh, uh, the information related to that system, if it's an high-risk system, 
under the AI Liability Directive. You are very much involved in the AI Act negotiations and the information uh, related to these systems would be uh, based on the AI Act, like the quality management system, for example. Uh, but this information was not really meant for consumers, it was meant for uh, regulators. So how, how do you see these working exactly? Because this is going to be highly technical information that probably only engineers, not even lawyers, engineers would need. Uh, it would be for engineers to understand. Yeah. So um, we all know the situation with algorithms and the outcome and results and so on might be very difficult. So, and also um, because there is not only one, probably one uh, party who we can um, blame at the end for damages, there might be additional ones. So if, if you're thinking of a self-driving car, this is not probably only the um, car manufacturer, it might be also the software manufacturer, it might be also someone who is adding to the software something, and uh, so, and the deployer, and so on, and so on. So that's why um, we have um, proposed already, and so far I understand also the Commission's proposal in such a way that they are seeing the difficulties in proving um, your, um, your, your demands or your, your damage and, and so on. So that's why we can work here with the kind of um, presumption it might be deniable at the end, but this is a way forward that we are saying, so if AI is involved, then the end user may say, if there is a damage, this is caused by the AI, and then we are coming forward, and then they can um, internally, uh, let's say the manufacturer, the software deployer, and so on, they can then sort out what was the fault. So that's why I think this is a very good way forward also for the consumer and uh, for everyone and it seems quite logic in a way. And uh, to interlink this with the AI Act, it's getting a little bit tricky in so far um, that we do not know how the AI Act looks like at the end. So um, of course we have to refer to it, it might add some additional aspects from the AI Act if we are coming, for instance, uh, to sandboxes. And um, here, if you're asking who might be reliable for sandboxes at the end, this might be a kind of a certain aspect also of these liability questions around. But this is not meant um, right now for the damages on, and, and um, um, yeah, if, if you're asking for the compensation here, that you uh, will ask also of, of the sandboxes relating liability questions is not the same as what you would like to have for compensation, so for your damages. So that's why I think first point we have to be careful in looking um, from the eyes of an end user how he might get the compensation. And on the second step, we have to refer what, um, what have we regulated in the AI Act, what might also create a kind of a liability question. 
and then we can add this. But so far, we do not have a kind of an end product um, as an AI act itself. We don't know what the content might be, and that's why um, we need to have this link then to the result of the AI Act. Um, but this is probably something what you can see at the end of this legislative process. Um, and, and then I, I think we might come forward. I still um, very confident, I'm still very confident that we are getting a good product out of the AI liability, even if um, Ursula now is criticizing these, but at the end, we all would like to have a kind of a good res um, um, solution for the end user because of this problematic situation with algorithms. Axel, you touched upon a very interesting topic, uh, which is the relation between um, these uh, new proposals and how the AI Act will progress. In particular, in the AI Liability Directive, uh, you have a revision clause that would allow the Commission to, to review this directive uh, to cover high, certain high-risk systems um, with a non-fault-based liability regime. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that means strict liability or if there are other non-fault base. Maybe Ursula can can um, tell us more about that. Um, but yeah, more in general, uh, looking at how these files will progress, uh, because they will have to progress at the same time in parallel. Uh, how do you see these uh, files influencing each other during the legislative process? I'm quite confident that this might be um, going forward step by step. So the AI Act and the um, probably the end of the AI Act, if we are um, quick enough, so will be at the end of after next, the next summer break. Um, and then we might, uh, it's still time to see how we can um, adapt the yeah, special responsibilities or special liability questions um, to the liability um, directive. Um, of course, what we are saying in the parliament so far with our um, initiative um, proposal we are asking for a regulation instead of a directive. This might be a big change, um, but because of harmonization, we do not consider either for the industry nor for the um, individual, the consumer, that this is very helpful to act or to come forward with 27 different uh, liability regimes at the end. So. Um, if you are buying a kind of uh, um, AI product from, from Germany, but you are a consumer in Spain, you will all of a sudden um, be confused by which law is now valid for what. So this is what we should avoid, and this is not very helpful um, for both, for the individual and also for the industry. And that's why 
I think full harmonization here in this question might be much more helpful than these uh, thinking in competences. Of course, we need a legal base, what is valid for everyone and, and every detail, but um, I still hope that we convince also the member states that we should come up with one liability regime for all consumers, for all industries in Europe, and uh, this might be more helpful than um, instead of all these fragmented situation what we are then getting. I think the question of harmonization is uh, perhaps the only one you agree on uh, with Ursula <laughs> since we started this podcast. Um, but Ursula, I, I would like uh, to turn this question to you as well. Um, so when you look at this revision clause, uh, which high-risk system do you think should be covered by uh, a non-fault-based regime? And, and saying all is not a fair uh, reply, eh? <laughs> if you have to choose. That's not fair, Luca, but let me answer differently in that case, because I think um, what we have discussed so far, and also what, uh, if I may say, Axel explained, it shows one thing very clearly. This is a highly complex, and if I may say from a consumer perspective, probably a very difficult and messy legal framework that we have now on the table. Because how can consumers know what is the better legal base they should put their claim on? How should consumers know whether they will be able to benefit from these presumptions that Axel just explained? So in the AI liability directive, um, because of the fault-based regime, which is basically impossible for a consumer to overcome, and the Commission is well aware of that, so they have cre created uh, this uh, presumption that in certain cases there is a presumption of non-compliance, and then there can be a presumption that there is a link, uh, a causality link in the case of fault, but still you have to prove fault. And what is fault? Fault is then um, considered to be non-compliance with the duty of care of a law that is meant to protect from the damage that you have suffered. So this is highly complex. And there comes in the AI Act because is the AI Act and the provisions and the requirements, is that the laws that can be used to show that there was non-compliance and that these laws should have protected against the damage that occurred? The AI Act has not been drafted with having that liability aspect in mind. So there will be huge legal uncertainty. And this is really the point I want to bring here. For a consumer, if there are uncertain rights, it basically means there are no rights because consumers cannot go to court and afford to be completely unclear about the success chances that they would have. So I can only say in response to your question, sorry, again, I think it doesn't help consumers to know if it's a high risk system, I will be um, better off in claiming damage than if it will not be a high risk system, because I don't care if what I suffered from is high risk or not, I have suffered damage and I have a fund fundamental right to an effective remedy. And the effective remedy would have been to say, product liability means strict liability, and that is applicable to any type of product and in particular to the products that come with these new technologies because there we need to build up not only uptake from the industry but uptake from consumers and that's not the way it has been proposed now.
Yeah, but if, if I may ask uh, Luca to, to uh, Ursula, um, I can't see if you're buying shoes with an artificial intelligence service, how can you damage here someone? This has nothing to do with the damage if you're buying shoes with an artificial intelligence system. And I, I can't even imagine that there might be a kind of a damage. And why then you would, would like to integrate such an AI system into a high risk orb or compare it to, to other high risk systems that might really damage something. And if we are adding some requirements to these AI systems, what can damage or what can create harm, I do not see that we are overburdened also AI systems who can't really damage. So we need to have a kind of a dif differentiation here. And there is no necessity in also um, having more safeguards as necessary for AI systems what can't really damage something. So um, I'm, I'm really um, we are demanding or asking for more differentiation and, and looking to these AI systems, what might be high risk or what might or can damage or create harm or infringing rights or whatever it is. But there are systems in place that are not creating something like this. So I do not see the sense in taking these on board. But if, if these systems do not create damage, then there is no need uh, to to have a specific uh, exemption from them because they will not be yes, uh, the, the ones to use the system will not be in any risk exposure. Yeah, probably for insurances, we are adding safeguards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And why you have to do this for a kind of a normal AI system? What can't harm anyone? So this is not a kind of a very logical way forward. No, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to disagree because uh, I think I, this example that you brought with the shoes, right? I mean, mm -hmm. normally I would assume that if a shoe, a shoe producer sells shoes with an AI system, it's an e-commerce transaction and you will be uh, covered, uh, I guess, by the PLD. I'm not now sure you will have to analyze that, but what I have in mind, what you will see what is now uh, the problem is that if you are a commercial user, you will not fall under the PLD. So you will not be considered a manufacturer. And if a commercial user, so let's say you have a general purpose AI system and you use that for selling the shoes, but that's not the main problem. For selling insurances, for uh, selling other things, for scoring people, you will not be covered by the PLD. And if there is a damage, then the consumer would have to prove that you were in fault in using these systems. And this is exactly the type of damages that are new in terms of the dimension that they come now with for having impact on consumers and on our societies. And that is exactly what is basically regulated in a very difficult way for consumers to make use of their right to compensation. I totally not agree. Um, so if you are making already differentiation that the, the, the selling or buying shoes by an AI system might be under for the product liability, then there, where is the differentiation then? 
So um, you're using AI and all of a sudden you are not undervolving the AI liability um, because of the AI using differently. So this is creating a lot of, of confusing uh, situations and this is totally legal unclear. So that's why we have to, uh, to really concentrate on AI systems and under falling a strict liability, then what might create damages? And these are not all of these AI systems what we are already using day by day. And uh, therefore, it's totally not necessary to burdening these AI system with something what they can't um, yeah, have, have an effect on on, on this. So that's why we should really concentrate on what is really harming the individual person and not another industry and, and what else. So if the individual is, is yeah, their rights was infringed, then we should come forward with a compensation situation and not taking on board everything what might be looking, looks like an AI system. So it's totally not necessary. Okay, I... Axel, may I give, sorry, Luca, may I just wanted to give an example to Axel. So let's take a credit scoring system or another scoring system, and that discriminates unfairly against you, against Axel Foss, and mm -hmm. you suffer damage because you cannot have the credit that you need, or you have to get insurance to a much higher price, which is not justified. And here is the thing that you will have to prove fault and this is the distinction that is currently made with the proposals that the Commission has brought forward. So don't you think you should be better protected because you will not be able to prove fault. So then you can just stand there and watch and be subject of the machine decision without having any right to compensation. Mm -hmm. But this is not the justification for taking every AI system on board. That goes back to the... Um... To the point we were making before that uh, this links up with the AI Act and it actually gives uh, the, the current uh, uh, legislative process quite a big responsibility if things stay like this uh, in terms of uh, which uh, systems will fall under the high risk category. Uh, I think we reach a point where we can uh, agree to disagree. And uh, I would like to thank uh, Ursula Pack, Deputy Director General of BEUC, and MEP Axel Voss. Thank you for being with us and for this very heated discussion. <laughs> it's not the last one, probably. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy development in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evi Chiori. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening. <laughs>